Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, I just recently uh, I just read a book. The title of the book is uh, Jim and Casper Go to Church. And Casper happens to be an atheist, and so he went to a church with a pastor. And they went to ten different churches throughout America, and they're different. Big churches, small churches, different types of churches. And I was struck by a question, because he wanted to, they wanted to write a book about the reaction of what does an atheist think when he comes to church, and you know, how does the pastor respond to that and everything? It was a, it was a good read. I can, you can read the book in two nights. It's, it's, it's real easy to read. But there was a question that Casper had that really has stuck with me ever since. And that is in every church he went to, he went from Rick Warren's big saddleback church to a little small Presbyterian church to a house church, different churches. Here's what he said. Is this what Jesus meant for you to do? And I was struck by that question. Because here we are in Kerwinsville in Clearfield County, and we're coming to church, and as I interact with everybody here and, and talk to you guys, what I'm beginning to sense from everyone here is, is that, yeah, things are going well here at the church. You know, things are going good here at the church. And, but there just seems to be something missing. Because everything's okay. There just seems to be something missing. And you've got to sit back and correct on that question. Is this what Jesus meant? Is this what Jesus meant? You know, just for us to come on Sunday morning and, and uh, listen to some great music and sing and worship and listen to a message. And, is that it? Is that it? Surely there's something more. And the answer comes back, yes, there is something more. The answer is Jesus. Jesus is the something more. Christianity is not a service. Christianity is not a set of beliefs. Christianity is a person. It's the person of Jesus. See, folks, I'm beginning to grasp the reality that there is something more. And so today, this week we're in chapter 19, and we come to verses 1 to 10, and it's a very familiar story. We've all heard about Zacchaeus, right? Everybody heard about Zacchaeus? Remember from Sunday school? I'll sing it with you. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Okay, that's my done with my singing today, okay? All right. <laughs> Right, you know, but we we know the story because we've been taught it. We've seen it on a flannel graph. Isn't that wonderful, flannel graph? You know, we've seen the story. We know the story. Do we know the story? Because as I'm studying this week, I'm, I'm realizing that when it comes to Zacchaeus and George, he's he's realizing something. I'm not. Something's going on in the life of Zacchaeus that we're missing. Say, so what, what, what's that? Well, well let's, let's look at the passage together, and, and then we're going, we're going to see, see what's happening here. And, and hopefully, God's going to stir something in our hearts, because even beyond just today, but hopefully God will stir something in our hearts for the next long while. Let's look together. Look at verses 1 through 10. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. 
And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to your house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Folks, what we're going to see here today is a man who wants just a glimpse. He wants just a glimpse of Jesus in his life. You know, as you think about it and, and the things that we're missing, the thing that is missing, is this really what it's about? What, what, what we really want, and we don't know how to articulate it, I, I'm, I'm going to postulate to you today is is that what we really want is to see Jesus. What we really want is to see God show up in a mighty and powerful way in our lives. Period. That, that's that's reality. To, to, to know that and to change our whole course of the way we live our lives. Because let, Let's be honest. Because we come here every Sunday and it'd be the same thing. Another message. Hey, that's great, George. Yeah, wow, great new song, Brad, band, wow. You know, yeah, we got the trap shoot coming up. Yes, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's already fall, isn't it? Yeah. But there'll be nothing else. But that's not what I want you to sense when you see the early church. That, that's not what drove them together is the latest activity. What drove them together was the presence of God in their midst. They just wanted to have another glimpse of him. So I want you to notice, we're going to look at this, this together. We're going to divide it into three sections. First of all, we're going to see the search. We're going to see a guy who's seeking him. We're going to see the gatekeepers. Can't, can't have a passage here in the Gospels without having some gatekeepers involved. We're going to see who the gatekeepers are and what we can see about them. But then we're going to see the impact, the impact of finding Jesus. So let's, first of all, let's look at the search. We see it in verses 1 to 4. It tells us that Jesus is entering and passing through Jericho. So he's about 12 miles outside of Jerusalem. He's headed to Jerusalem. As he's going through town, obviously there's a huge crowd there because, of course, it's Jesus. And Luke tells us that there was, this is the only passage in the Gospels that tells us about this guy, that there was a certain tax collector who was a really rich dude. His name was Zacchaeus. And what I want you to see here is, is that First point here, he wanted a glimpse of Jesus. Obviously, you know, word passes through town pretty quick. Hey, check out, Jesus is coming through town. Everybody's rushing to go see him. So here's this rich guy. He's probably, he's probably a man of influence. He's probably dressed to the hilt. He's got lots of money. And it tells us in verse 3 that he sought to see who Jesus was. He just wanted to see who he was. He just wanted to see who he was. And notice what he does. He does probably the most unthinkable thing is, is for a guy of his stature, he's influential, he's rich, he climbs a tree. Now, I mean, of course the guy's short, but I mean, how about stand on the box? Do you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, pay somebody. Hey, you sit on the ground, let me stand on your back or something. I mean, something. But he, he, he 
climbs a tree. Now immediately, I immediately begin to think, go back to chapter 18. Look at verse 17 of chapter 18. Look at what Jesus says. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means, what? Enter it. You know why we like to tell this story in church, in Sunday school, and we sing Zacchaeus was a wee little man? Because children can relate. You can't say something, what am I going to do? There's a tree. I'll climb it. He's acting like a child. He's excited. Jesus is coming. He's going to... Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like what Jesus was saying in chapter 18. This is the kind of people who come to the kingdom. Who forget about their primitive properness. I mean, here's... Here, just to help you understand, just so that we can all relate, let's say we're in downtown Clearfield. It is the Clearfield Fair. It is the parade time, folks. Remember parade time? Everybody's lining up at parade time. Now, I want you to picture it. Don't think of a tax collector. Think of a lawyer. One of the lawyers there on the main street town coming out of the courthouse, there's the parade, and he can't see the parade, so in his suit, his three-piece suit, he climbs a tree to see the parade. Now, what are you thinking about that? Somebody said, he's a nut. Yes, he's a nut. He's acting like a what? A kid. Look at him up there in his suit. This is what I want you to see here. This is the kind of thing we're talking about here with Zacchaeus. He's not in his blue jeans, bro. He's not. He's just climbing up in there. He wants to see Jesus. But, and so notice, he's trying to see Jesus. And then notice verse 5. It's amazing. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down today for I must stay with you. Here's the next point I want you to see. Jesus goes beyond his desires. What was Zacchaeus wanting, folks? Look at, the, look at the verses. Look at verses 1 to 4. What was Zacchaeus wanting to do? He just wanted to what? Just see him. So he goes, he's like a little kid climbing up in a tree. Here comes Jesus. What does Jesus do? Invites himself over for dinner. Jesus goes beyond what Zacchaeus desires. All Zacchaeus wanted was just to what? See him. Oh yeah, I saw him. I saw him there. Wow. But what Jesus did was he stopped even, of course, it's God. He knows his name. Zacchaeus. Come down out of that tree, bud. I'm going to your house today. He goes beyond what... I mean, do you think Zacchaeus, when he was running up that tree, thought, oh yeah, today Jesus is going to come to my house? No. Never even thought that. Never thought that at all. Jesus goes beyond his desires. Folks, let me just stop for a moment. He goes beyond your desires, too. He goes beyond your desires, too. Let's stop. Let's back up what we were talking about. You sense that something missing in your walk with God? You're sensing, yeah, things are going okay at the church, George. Things are going wonderful. But yeah, it just seems like there's something missing. And you, and you begin to realize, you know what? It's, it's, not, it's not programming. It's not this. It's not that. It's not, it's not attendance. It's something more. And the desire is, oh, Lord, if we could just see you for a little bit. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, he'll go beyond your desires. He'll go beyond your desires. Did you understand me? He'll go beyond it in your life. But you've got to want it. Because here's, here's the thing, though. Because that emptiness in your heart, you can misunderstand what that emptiness is and you try to fill it with something else. What do you mean fill it with something else? Well, if you don't really understand what that is, that it is an internal longing in each of us for the God of the universe, you will fill it with something else and, and find that nothing satisfies it. Ice cream won't satisfy it. Ladies, chocolate won't satisfy it. It won't be a guy or a gal. It won't be a job. 
a beer won't satisfy it. Because it is a God-sized hole that only God can fill. Do you understand me? And if you desire Him to fill it, He'll go beyond your desire. Zacchaeus just wanted to see Him. And what does Jesus do? Jesus stops. Hey, Zacchaeus, come down from there, bud. I'm going to your house. I'm going to your house. So Jesus goes beyond His desires. And I want you to notice how He reacts. Look at verse 6. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. In fact, the English just kind of, it just doesn't give you the full thrust of it. Here's the point. He is excited. He's excited. He's excited about Jesus. Folks, when's the last time you got excited about Jesus showing up in your life? If we're honest with ourselves, we don't even know what that means. To have Jesus show up and meet with us in a powerful way. Did you understand what I'm saying? And here's, here he is. All he thought was is he could just get a glimpse. Oh, they could just get a glimpse. He's getting more than just a glimpse. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to sit down and have dinner with you tonight. He's talking about intimacy. And guess what? Here's his reaction. He's not like, oh, well, you know, of course I am. I am who I am, and I am powerful and rich and influential in the community. It's only right that he should come over to my house. No, he doesn't act that way. Was he? he receives him with joy. He gets excited. Oh, wow. Jesus is coming to my house. He met with me today. That's, that's awesome. But, I mean, we can't relate. Sadly, if we're honest with ourselves, we can't relate. Interesting. Verse 7 tells us there were some gatekeepers there. What do you mean gatekeepers, George? Well, Gatekeepers are, they're the religious folks. They're the folks who have their act together. They're the folks who, who determine who can come and who can't come. They, they keep the gate. Do you understand what I mean by that? They're the door watchers. They, they'll let you in and say, oh, well, you know, you're dressed right today. You can come here today. Or, 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 no, you know what? You need to straighten up your act before you can show up. These are the gatekeepers. Well, there were gatekeepers in this scene. We've seen gatekeepers in other places. Remember last week with the blind man? You need to be quiet. Jesus is here. Be quiet. And of course, he didn't listen to the gatekeepers there. We have gatekeepers here. Here's what I want you to see about the gatekeepers. Look at what it says, verse 7. But when they saw it, they all complained. The word there actually means grumbled, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Now, they're not saying this out loud, of course, because you know you want to look perfect and you want to look good and you don't want to slam Jesus to his face. So, obviously, Jesus is there and you're kind of talking behind his back. I cannot believe he is going over to that dude's house. Doesn't he know who that is? Don't you know what he's done? He's a sinner! Capital letters. Three or four exclamation points behind it. Here's what's going on. They had written him off. The gatekeepers had written him off. They had written Zacchaeus off. Here's the thing about religious self-righteousness. You can get to the point where you understand the kind of people who can come to God, but then everybody else, if they mess up, that's it, they're done. No way God could ever use them. Don't even bother darkening the door here. That's the attitude of the gatekeepers. The gatekeepers had written him off. And so that brings up the next point here. Here's what they thought. They couldn't comprehend what Jesus was doing. So not only have they written off Zacchaeus, he's just a sinner, forget it. 
They couldn't comprehend. Now, why in the world? I mean, if he wanted to come to my house, I can understand that because I'm perfect. But to his house? Oh, I wouldn't even go near that house. I wouldn't touch anything there. I might catch something. Don't know what he's been doing. That's a self-righteous attitude. That's the gatekeepers. Aren't you glad that Jesus just ignores the gatekeepers? Folks, we need to ignore the gatekeepers, don't we? But I want you to see the impact. So here he is. We get to verse 8 through 10. Jesus comes to this guy's house. Jesus is there. And look at the impact. This is what happens when you really meet God, when you really meet Jesus, and He is real in your life, and you get excited about Him. There's going to be an impact. There's going to be something that changes in your life. So notice the impact in Zacchaeus' life. First of all, look at what he says, verse 8. He's obviously aware... He's obviously aware that there are people grumbling about Jesus coming to his house. Because look what he does, verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore fourfold. Here's what he does. First of all, he publicly expresses a changed heart. He publicly expresses a changed heart. He is so impacted by Jesus going beyond for him, that he stands up and he says this, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of their their taxes in a wrong way, I will restore back to them whatever they said that I did wrong four times the amount. Wow. He's publicly expressing a changed heart. He's publicly expressing that Jesus has met him today and changed him, who he is. It's, it's, it's not, he's not being secretive here. He's not, oh, I'm just a secret service Christian. Nobody knows except me and the Lord. He's not even being a holy Joe here. All of a sudden, oh, where's the Torah so I can carry it around? He's expressing it in action, isn't it? Giving half of what he has to the poor and making right. In fact, the next point there is he willingly gave it up for Jesus. He willingly gave it up to Jesus. Hey, go back to chapter 18. Isn't it interesting that this story follows chapter 18? Because remember in chapter 18, when you go to verse 18, there was a certain rich young ruler who showed up, remember? Said to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says to him, what does the law read? Uh, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, I've done all of that, Lord. I've, I've kept everything. I've done, I'm okay. And Jesus says, well, you know, I perceive that you're lacking one thing. Sell what you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And what did that guy do? He walked away sad. Now here we come to chapter 19. And here's another rich dude who by all accounts would be written off. Maybe he even knows that he's written off. And he meets Jesus. Jesus so impacts his life. And guess what? Did Jesus even have to say anything to him about giving up money to the poor? No, it just came out of him by voluntarily. You understand what I'm saying? Did Jesus say to him, you know, hey, Zacchaeus, man, I love your party, man. Boy, the hors d'oeuvres are great here today. Boy, the punch is wonderful. By the way, if you cheated anybody, you need to make that right. No, I don't think that happened. The changed heart made that happen. Nobody had to tell him that. The changed heart made that happen. Did you understand? See, here, here's the thing. He willingly gave it up. For Jesus. 
And then Jesus, look, look at how Jesus responds. Look with me. We go back to chapter 19. Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. What's he saying here? I mean, it's like, you know, if somebody comes and everybody is, considers an outcast, or maybe you consider an outcast, and he finds the Lord and radically gets saved and makes a change in his life, it's like Jesus is saying, you know, salvation has come to this one that you consider an outcast. It's come to his house today because he also is a child of God. You understand? There's, there's no outsiders with Jesus. In fact, this is the point I want you to see, because look at what he says there. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus came to save those who were lost. doesn't matter if the gatekeepers like him or not. doesn't matter if you think you're worthy or not. He came to save what was lost. Period. And that's so radically changed... Zacchaeus' life because he met Jesus and Jesus changed him. It's okay, George. How's this different? Well, let's, let's, let's ponder two questions and then I'm going to give you an action point. Here's the first question. When was the last time you got excited about Jesus? Here's what I want you to do. Pay attention to the question. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. It is a serious question. When was the last time you got excited about Jesus and what he did in your life? When was it? Some of you, maybe you're here and you're saying, you know, hey, I really can't think of a time, George. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, hmm, boy, it's been a long time. I would dare say that's most of us here. That's most of us here. Now, here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with it. Here is the problem with it. Because most of us here would be uh, say, yeah, it's been a long time, or man, I can't even remember, or no, that's never happened. We think that's normal. The implication from the text, the implication from the scriptures, is it is abnormal. If you have come to Jesus Christ and you have trusted in Him as your Savior, it tells us that the Holy Spirit, who He describes in John chapter 14, 15, and 16 as being another comforter, as being someone He would send to us, lives within you. Have you even just thought of that for a moment? The Spirit of God lives within you? God lives within you? Have you pondered that for a moment? Or are we too busy to think about those things? God living in us. He is a part of our lives every day. And, and, and we would say, oh man, I can't remember the last time I got excited about it. Something's wrong. And we've got to wake up to that. Did you know what I'm saying? Something's wrong and we've got to wake up to it. And, 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 and so then it really that raises the question, because when you ponder that question, here's what it should do. Now this is the reason why I asked that question. The question is not a defeating thing. It's not like, oh, well, George, you just really whooped me up because I'm just, I'm not a good Christian because I, I haven't gotten excited lately and I'm, you know. It's not for that purpose. It's actually for a purpose to expose something to you. Which brings up the next question with, do you want something more? The purpose isn't for you to say, man, I'm also hanging up because, man, everybody else has got Jesus working in life and it's not working in my life, so... I'll just forget it. No, no. The purpose is is to to cause you to think for a moment and realize, man, I have not sensed him in my life. I have not experienced him and got excited about him. There's something missing in my life. 
I need something more. I, I want something more than just come to church on Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, unless something else comes up that's more important, uh, which that does sometimes happen, you know. I want something more. I want something more. Folks, here, here's where I'm at. I want something more. And yeah, I can, I can remember times when I got excited. I was just talking to Pastor Scott Schultz, a friend of mine over at Faith Bible Church. Many of you remember a couple years ago, Pastor Scott and I went to Haiti. And we were on a bus that got shot into. And a lady on our bus got hit with a bullet. And we had some unusual experiences and even trying to get out of Haiti to get back to Miami to make our airplane flight. And each year, to celebrate the anniversary of that, that's been two years ago now, we we go to Chili's together because that's the first place we hit after we got to Miami was Chili's in the airport for a burger. And and, and here in another couple weeks, we're going to be going to Chili's. Brad will be with us. He can celebrate with us. But I got excited because here's the thing, because we went to the airport in Cape Haitian to get on a, to, to to try to find a plane to get to Port-au-Prince to get on a plane to get to Miami, and we walked in and it was chaos at this one air the, the, the place that we were supposed to go and and the guy who was with us the pastor Haitian pastor who was with us took us to another airplane ticket place and the plane was getting to raise up and the Haitian guy said how many and the pastor said two he said okay. 180 bucks just for us to fly from Cape Haitian. So we got all our money out, and, and then we, they took our bags. And I said, when are we leaving? Now. So let's go. So we run out to the airplane, and it's a puddle jumper, 15-seat passenger plane, puddle jumper in Haiti. Uh, it's scary. But anyhow, so we get on the plane. It's packed, and I'm getting on the plane, and I'm realizing there's only two seats on the plane. That's God, man. I sat down in the seat. As soon as we sat down, they clip, we're taking off. I'm just raising my hand in the air saying, thank you, Jesus. Two seats. And that's what we talk about. We Two seats now. That's when you can get excited. But you know what? Since then, I'm sure there's been times I've been excited for, about Jesus in the last two years, but it's not overwhelmed me. So I want something more. Do you want something more? Do you want something more than just coming to church and, and singing a song? Do you want something more than just one hour? Do you want something more that so impacts you throughout the week? Do you? Do you want a glimpse? Look what... It's like, will he do it? Look what he did with Zacchaeus, folks. He gave him more than a glimpse. Zacchaeus, I'm eating with you today. So what do we need to do, George? Well, here, here's the action point. Don't settle for anything less than God. When you pray this week, don't settle anything less, for, less than God. When you talk with him and you say, Lord, I want something more, I, you know, and that something more isn't, oh, I just want to have good feelings, or, oh, I, I want this, or I want to experience. No, no. I want you, Jesus. I want you to show up in my life in a mighty way. I want you to be so real to me. Lord, I want you to so impact my life and rock my world. I want you, Jesus. Don't settle anything for less than that. You want Jesus. In the midst of the chaos of what's going on in our lives. And chaos goes on in our lives, doesn't it? It's time to start saying, Lord, you are the one who can fill the vacuum in my life. I want you. Settle for nothing more than you. 
And then finally, you know, here's the thing. On your bulletin, back of the bulletin there, maybe in just your notes, what's God showing you today? Write that down. Hopefully he's showing you that you need to be striving for something more in your life. And that something more is him. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.